Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. I hope this finds each of you so very well. I'm speaking to you today from my studio in West Orange, New Jersey, and I'm absolutely delighted to have this opportunity to introduce all of you to Reed Peterson, a grief counselor who is the creator and founder of a mobile app for grief support called Grief Refuge. Reed will be speaking to us today from Santa Barbara, California. Reed has a master's degree in transpersonal psychology, and he has been certified in death and grief studies by the Center for Loss and Life Transition. After losing his biological father to suicide in 2006 and his stepfather to cancer in 2016, he felt a calling to help the grieving find peace and purpose after loss. Reed's Grief Refuge app is a daily companion that helps navigate the grief journey, providing comfort and solace in a time of need. Its seven features, including daily audio musings and a tool to track a person's grief progress, help a person to cope with loss and feel supported throughout the grief journey. Right off the top of my head, I know of about five people who could use this grief app. Uh, they have had recent losses and it would be so comforting for them. I'm looking forward to talking with Reed about the loss of his two father figures, his healing journey through grief and loneliness, and the creation of his Grief Refuge app. This will surely be a very informative interview about an app that can provide the grieving with great comfort and solace. Hey, Reed, welcome to Thank Grief you, Irene. Podcast. Such well, a pleasure. Thank you. I just, as I was, I, I'm just lucky. I'm a lucky person because I feel like I have a strong intuitive sense and I can kind of, you know, filter through when somebody's just kind of talking to talk, you know, the lip service, I think we call that here in the States, but I can hear the mission in your voice. I can hear you're purpose driven. And that's why I feel lucky to be having this conversation with you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I think we're both two lucky blessed people because it's my pleasure to meet you. And um, I think that your app can help so many people. So um, let's get let's have them get to know you better. So after losing your biological father to suicide in 2006 and your stepfather to cancer in 2016, you felt a calling to help the grieving find peace and purpose after loss. Could you please tell us about the profound loss of these two father figures in your life? And how did those losses inspire you to create your app? Yeah, I'll I'll try to um, try to be brief. Well, you have some time. It's okay. It it truthfully, it is a long, complicated story. Um, if you think about it, you know, there's ten years apart between my dad dying and then my stepfather dying. But here's where I'll start. Um, Can I, I just like, ask one question before yeah. we start? So. Were you living with your stepdad or your dad 
Yeah, I was living with my stepdad. So um, my dad lived about five miles away. Um, and I, when growing up, my mom and my my biological father, they divorced when I was three. And so um, Warren, my stepfather, he entered my life um, probably maybe like only a year and a half later and um, was crazy, but loving enough <laughs> to move in <laughs> because it was also my older sister and my younger brother. So he, he came into a, basically a family already and he didn't have any kids of his own. And boy, he embraced us and just kind of, you know, showed up as a lo loving father figure in our lives. And so um, that, you know, that's a little bit about like, you know, our foundation. And and your um, stepfather, what kind of guy was, was your dad? Uh, so my dad, he was uh, the world's number one complainer. <laughs> <laughs> so your mom went from complaining to happy. <laughs> yes. Uh, she actually did find her soulmate. She didn't find her soulmate in my biological father. But she did find her soulmate in um, my stepfather, Warren. And, and so my dad, um, you know, just uh, so there's a lot of negative perceptions about my dad. Um, he did struggle with post-traumatic stress. He did struggle with alcoholism. Um, and he was a violent person. And so um, fortunately, he didn't take out any physical abuse on me. Um, so I had as you know, as most can be uh, a no, noble and somewhat positive relationship with my dad. It was tough growing up because it was kind of like this stranger that as a sensitive person, I, I would say, oh, I'm supposed to know this guy. I'm supposed to love him. He's supposed to love me. But there always felt like this strong, un uncomfortable connection between us um, because I was just like, I don't really know much about my dad. But I would see him, you know, every week or every two weeks. Um, he lived in town. Uh, I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and he wasn't too far away. But it was, um, as you know, as uh, you know, dad divorced with visitation rights and um, spending time with you know grandparents and his side of the family, trying to just live normally, I guess. Um, and then, but there was just a lot of, um, a lot of struggle, uh, a lot of emotional struggle in that. And then also knowing, you know, as I became a teenager and a young adult, coming to learn a little bit more about like, you know, his suffering, his suffering in his physical form. And he unfortunately really didn't um, find a strong sense of healing in his own with his own challenges and his own hardships, um, you know, post-traumatic stress really affected his life. And, and his identity was, I'm a Vietnam vet and I'm effed up. <laughs> and, um, and so he kind of let that guide him and uh, he struggled with drinking and eventually um, it's a complicated story, but he did take his life um, and he was severely under the influence of alcohol at the time. Yeah. And so it was, it was tragic, you know, as far as what happened, the event that caused his death. But um, at the same time, like, I, you know, it's been almost 16 years, Irene, and I still sometimes wonder, um, I'll never know, but I still sometimes wonder, it's possible that this could have been an accident. This, you know, may have not been planned because the way he died, he actually hit the top of his head on a wall and severed his cervical spine. 
Well, this is a very spiritual podcast, Reed, and I know a lot of people who could tell you the answer to that story to, mm. and, and, and tell you all about that. So, well, well at the end, I will, I will uh, guide you to a few podcasts, uh, interviews with some people who could probably give you that information. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. I've contemplated, uh, contemplated uh, working with mediums, um, you know, to try to talk to them. My brother actually has some gifts of mediumship himself. Um, he, uh, you know, he's shared, he's reserved, you know, um, but he's shared bits and pieces about his communication with our father. Um, and it's unfortunately, um, the perspective my brother shares is it's still not necessarily all light. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, interesting. Um, and, you know, my, my soul mourns for my dad um a lot and you know it it led to like a long grief period actually i started feeling tremendous relief at first because i had such a narrative irene that you know my relationship with my dad was like me being present to his suffering and so when he physically left his body i was like okay you know i no longer have to feel like what felt like a burden I carried. And so there was huge relief. But then probably within a few months uh, uh, after that initial experience, I actually felt tremendous amount of guilt, a lot of guilt. And I processed that for quite a few years. And then- um, And the fact that your father didn't get healing, probably deep down, or maybe not so deep down is part of the motivation that you want to help people heal with your app. Yeah, it very well could be. Yeah, I've, I've tried to ask myself, you know, thousands of times, why do I do this? You know, like, I, I always want to make sure I understand my purpose and, and my mission. And I'm like, oh, um, there is a part of me that just feels that you mentioned that calling. It just feels like, hey, I'm on this earth to help people heal. Mm -hmm. And this is what I know best. I know grief best. <laughs> and, and I know, like, stories and experiences and, and just understanding and um you know one thing i'll say quickly is like uh unfortunately people that are grieving just feel so judged for their experience and i've just learned how to show up and have no judgment about where they're at whether you know no matter what emotion that is um that may be kind of forefront on their experience but um but yes, Irene, I agree with you. I'm like, oh, um, perhaps, you know, there's there's this thing about me wanting to feel um, like so available to help other people in their healing because there's still something within my soul, my heart, my mind that um, I'm probably seeking some healing myself. Yeah, no, that's, that's the way it, it happens with, with all of us, you know, I think part of that journey I mean, I'm spurred to do this and it started with the death of my husband next to me in a car accident. So like, you know, we all are led to our, if we want to hear, if we want to hear the calling, we, we find our purpose. So you lost your father to suicide. You went through all that. We talked about that. Then your stepfather, who's really raised you as his son, dies of cancer in 2016. So that's a whole other experience for you. A whole other experience. So what that. was that like for you? Yeah. So for me, um, the hardest part I'll say is I was, um, 2000 miles away. And so 
my my stepfather he fought uh, multiple myeloma for uh. eight years and I just was in awe of how ambitious he was and positive and just felt like tremendous amount of respect for him doing everything he can to keep living. Uh, you know, he had an affirmation. I'm going to live another 30 plus years. Um, and, and I was just like, I was just blown away because he had, he had so many, um, in addition to the cancer, he developed so many other illnesses as side effects to all the medications. And um, it really made me question, like, you know, I, I observed him and kind of like the deterioration of his physical body. And it, it really, I pondered a lot about when does one determine, you know, is there a quality of life? When, when, when is there not a, no longer a quality of life? And it just, it's something I continue to think about actually, but, um, but I just, I heard in his voice, you know, that will, that will to live. And so he fought, he fought, he fought. And then, um, you know, I think it got to a point where I remember having one of my last conversations with Warren on the phone, where he just said, I'm so tired. And I was reading between the lines and it was almost like me listening to the energy of the way he was saying it. And I was like, okay, I, I think, you know, he's getting ready to throw in the towel. He's ready to let go. Um, he, he just is exhausted. Um, and I think it was beyond physically exhausted, of course, it was mentally too. And sure. emotionally. Yeah. Well, being a sensitive person, your mom is still with you? Yes. So you watched her go through all that too. She watched her taking care of him and going through her own breathing process probably also. Yeah, that's that's part of my story, Irene, because um, I'm actually one of five children that my mom had, and um, my wife and I are the only ones who don't have our own children. And I say that because I was a little bit more available to help support my mom as she was supporting Warren. Uh, my mom was an, a registered nurse, so she became Warren's full-time caretaker, wow. like in all aspect. Oh my and so... Um, I could tell when I would call to check in both with Warren and my mom that my mom needed emotional support. And that's where um, I felt like my kind of crash course in learning how to companion someone um, developed um, because I was no longer my mom's son. I was my mom's um, anticipatory grief companion. And so um, there were many conversations in the evenings that my mom cried and I listened and just kind of beautiful thing, though. It's a beautiful that thing that you were there for her. Yeah. Really, really. I mean, it's wonderful. And, and it was part of your calling here. Here we go. So you share that counseling and bereavement groups were not able to fill the loneliness for you. So, so you, after both Warren and your dad died, you went to, did you go to counseling and bereavement groups for both of them? I did. Yeah. Yeah. So what I, I decided to find a counselor because um, after Warren died, I, I just felt such immense loneliness that I didn't understand why, because I was kind of comparison, comparing a bereavement process with Warren to a bereavement process with my dad. And they were just so night and day different and I didn't understand. And so I, you know, having studied psychology, I thought, oh, 
maybe if I work with a counselor, I might discover some aspects of, you know, uh, grieving my, my biological father um, and this whole complexity. And so uh, that's why I chose a counselor. But then I also uh, chose a bereavement support group in my local community just because I thought, oh, it'd be nice to hear other stories too, because I was noticing with the exception of my wife, um, who's a wonderful listener and, you know, 100% supportive. People in my larger community, stuff I did recreational social activities with, they just weren't available to, you know, hold space. And, and so I was like, okay, you know, part of my healing could benefit from other people who, you know, it didn't even have to be a similar loss, such as the loss of a parent. It could have been any type of loss, but just people who um, were aware that listening and not trying to fix is really uh, crucial in helping somebody with their own healing journey. So you were in these groups, but it didn't really work for you, right? Even though you went to these groups, you, it, still, you were still lonely and you were still struggling? Yeah, I, I would say it actually worked because it helped me have perspective, but it also didn't work because I continued to feel lonely. And I continued, I, I continued to realize like, oh, there must be like some kind of like source of media or medium or something that would be um, beneficial to a griever like myself on a more consistent basis. And, and that's that's essentially how like the grief refuge app as a concept started to formulate, like what could be available to somebody more on a consistent basis. That makes a lot of sense, really. And it's interesting because you still felt lonely. I hear you're one of five siblings. Right. You were married at the time, right? right? And you're still married and you're, and um, want to keep that clear. Um, but you were, you're, you're married and you, and you know, to a lovely lady and she's there and she's, but you're still within yourself. You felt lonely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's really good insight. I did. Yeah. And I couldn't, I just couldn't understand what, what was the What's source? missing? What is this about? Yeah. Yeah. So what, let's talk about your, uh, well, there's another story you talk about. Um, how did your attempt to be a voice on the calm meditation app lead you to create the grief refuge app? Sure. Yeah. You know, after, um, after navigating a lot of my loneliness and grief experience, I, I decided like, um, so at the time I wasn't using my degree, so to speak, I wasn't, you know, a full-time counselor or therapist or anything. And I was talking to my wife and I said, you know, I think, I think it's time to start, you know, offering healing. I, I know that my heart, my soul, my personality is all kind of like, you know, the framework of a healer. And so I was like, it's, it's now time. I, I can't continue to resist this anymore. And so I sought out some training, Irene, and I found the Center for Loss and Life Transition. They're based out of Colorado. And they provide, you know, like a, a death and grief study certification. And so I was doing these trainings and you were doing it online. Uh, these are in person. Actually. Oh, wow. So you're living in California and you went to Colorado. Yeah. They, um, yeah, about 
eight months of the year, maybe nine months of the year, their trainings are in Colorado. And then three months of the year, they're in Scottsdale, Arizona. So it's kind of picking and choosing which trainings I was going to and um, going there. But okay. to, get, to get to the answer to your question, one of these trainings, I gave a presentation. And after the presentation, um, three different uh, classmates approached me and said, I just got to tell you something. There's something very soothing about your voice. Wow. And, um, you know, engaging in the conversation, I was like, yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. I've, I've heard that my voice can be somewhat hypnotic and <laughs> really help somebody, you know, drop Calm down. down into a calming effect. So um, that word, you know, that word gets spoken. And then one of the classmates says, hey, you should be on the call map. And I was like, that's not a bad idea. And so we started looking at her call map and looking for like, you know, grief categories. And I'm like, oh, they could have a whole grief support category on this call map. Um, that would be great because already, you know, so many people already know about it. And I reached out to Calm. I, I found the, the head of content there. And um, surprisingly, I reached out to her, I believe it was on LinkedIn. <laughs> and um, I actually got a response. I, I thought, no way. And so my idea was actually entertained for a while, but it eventually didn't really lead to anywhere. And so, um, so I was like, okay, you know, I'm a nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Calm, you know, they partner with celebrities and, you know, sports figures and, you know, people that, you know, have a bazillion um, TikTok followers. I don't even know. <laughs> and so, um, so I was like, all right. And, I'm on this hike with my wife and her best friend and her best friend um, basically says, Hey, you can do better. And I'm like, do better than calm. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> there's no way I'm going to do better than calm. She's like, no, I'm not talking about numbers. And as far as downloads, I'm talking about like, read, you've got a gift. Why don't you share it? Why don't you make an app? And I'm like, Oh gosh, you know, I don't know how to program. And so you know, excluding all the details, it just led one step to another. Right? Absolutely. That's why you're talking to me on this podcast today. <laughs> one step leads to the next. Absolutely. And, and, and then, are. yeah, it came to fruition. Absolutely. So let's share, please share with our listeners, some of the many benefits and features provided in your grief refuge app that they want to immediately avail themselves with of as soon as we're done with this podcast. So tell us, Tell us about um, what they get if they. Yeah. That, okay. Yeah. So the, the actually, you know, the thing that people like the most is um, every day there's content that's published and the content's audio based. And we call this feature the daily refuge. And these are like grief meditations slash grief reflections. And so they're audio narrated um, by yours truly. <laughs> I, <laughs> I do the audio narration and um, every day, um, somebody gets one of these brand new. And so it helps them just kind of sit with their experience, you know, like some people use it to mourn, you know, they listen to it and they cry. Some people listen to it to just kind of like feel validated of like, okay, this, what I'm going through is real for me. It's truthful. Like, um, I am not crazy because <laughs> a lot of people start to think they're crazy because you know the grief is so overwhelming um and and so like these these messages these musings 
they they help validate an experience such as that. So that's like the main feature. But in addition to that, um, everybody using the app um, has a journal access. There is a feature called intentions. And that's really like these kind of self-care tips because a lot of times our brains are so overwhelmed, our hearts are shattered when we're grieving that we do need a little bit of guidance, you know, just for whatever it is, practically speaking for the day. There's also, you mentioned the thing about um, a tool to track progress. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, just want to full out say, as far as a grief journey, it's um, individual and it's unique to everyone experience it. I actually don't believe in um, stages of progression through grief. Um, I think it's, you know, a complicated spiral that takes Absolutely. twists and turns in every different direction. And some days it will feel like three steps forward. And then the next day it will feel like 15 steps backwards. But I will say um, the tool exists for people who just want to look at how they're doing and get a sense of like, practically speaking, where I'm at now. So it helps answers that answer that question. Here's where I'm at now. And then I can compare it um, looking backwards. Right. So, you give them healing choices also, or encourage them to do anything like that, Reed, or that would be within the intentions features, uh, you yeah. know, some, some gentle guidance into like, you know, um, ways to, uh, reach out to a loved one or ways to set boundaries. If you feel like your boundaries are being really, um, you know, disrespected or something like that. And to the uh, subject of loneliness, how does your app fill in that blank? Because that's definitely an intention of yours to help people to overcome that feeling of loneliness. Yeah, two things come to mind. First, um, the idea that it's daily content uh, that's published. And so uh, in my own experience, you know, as I said, well, the counseling would happen once a week the grief support group would happen once a week. So, you know, there were essentially was five days out of the week where I kind of felt like I was on my own. I felt like, okay, this is when the loneliness is hitting me the hardest. And so it helps fill that void um, because of the content that's published daily. And then the other aspect is um, just slipped my mind, but it'll come to me. <laughs> uh, oh, the validation piece. I make strong associations with uh, people feeling validated for their own personal experience to help ease and comfort some of the loneliness that they may be. I think that's so important so that they know that they're not weird and that what they're going through is pretty normal. And there are a lot of other people in the same boat. Absolutely. Um, tell me in what ways the Grief Refuge mobile app helps a person to cope with the loss of a loved one. Let's talk about physically, emotionally, socially, and spiritually. Well, it's a tough question to answer because I, I kind of perceive them to be all integrated. Okay. So tell like, us about it as in an integrated way. <laughs> so I think, you know, because it's an application and um, it's audio based um, significantly, a lot of the content is audio. Somebody could actually go for a walk and listen to the things. So, uh, you know, there's getting, helping getting somebody out of the house and helping getting like into nature. I really I'm a huge advocate for anyone grieving, spending time in nature. Um, the app is kind of built to um, bring nature to the user. Uh, but physically, you know, slight movement, gentle movements, you know, there's some help there in the healing process there too. 
but uh, mentally, cognitively, it's really about perspective. It's really about gaining insight and gaining perspective. Like um, my mentor, Dr. Alan Wolfelt, he wrote a book called Understanding Your Grief. And a lot of the concepts of understanding your grief are really tied into a lot of the content of the app because um, a lot of, you know, it's that question again, like, am I going crazy or am I, am I going to be this way for the rest of my life? You know, these are a lot of, uh, you know, mental, mentally challenging um, questions that really impact somebody's mind. And then, um, you know, that plays in emotionally too, because it, you know, it helps them address mm-hmm. um, or embrace specific feelings that may be otherwise very uncomfortable to embrace. And then um, spiritually, I think spiritually, it's just like the first thing that comes to my mind regarding the spiritual component is it it helps people uh, understand that they're not as alone because there's stories shared on the app and it helps them understand like, hey, I may not find proactively find a community of people that are grieving, you know, and can understand what I'm going through but I can hear that through the app itself. I can, I can hear those messaging through the app. And then also um, I, a lot of the topics, um, they're not necessarily geared towards mediumship and communicating with a loved one who's passed, but I believe, you know, in, in some of my own values and some of my own beliefs, I just believe that like, there's, there's so much to our experience in life that, connects us all for certain reasons and i'm sure that's that, a very spiritual concept read yeah i'm sure that you know as we continue to get to know each other we'll fully understand how the dots connect us and you know we'll understand that connection and so hearing the stories on the app um that that helps people make those types of connections too right so like speaking to about one of those personal stories in the app have you got one that to reflect on that can be found in the grief refuge app if you got one coming to you that people can understand the kind of thing that they'll that they will hear on the app about people's well, stories most of the stories tie into someone just feeling validated like um a lot of people say like you know i my sleep patterns got so thrown off before i found your app and then the app helps me fall asleep. It's like one of the the only things that help me fall asleep because it comforts me. It helps me understand like I'm actually living something that is real. It, this isn't as surreal as what it seems like. Um, this helps me like kind of ground in my own um, struggle, uh, you know, as I navigate the grief. And it also supports someone to say like, I kind of need to be here right now. And although my steps in whatever direction I'm going may be very small right now, I'm still moving, Uh, you know, I'm not stuck um, in my grief. And so like, I, you know, most of the stories are tied to that. It's not like one specific. Do people come on and they said, talk a little bit about their stories or you relate some of the stories to people? Actually, um, some of the people submit their stories after they've experienced a sense of healing. And then I'll narrate the story as it's, um, and it can be shared. That's really great. And tell me, are there truly moments when it's normal, appropriate, and proper to experience sorrow of the soul? 
And do those moments aid the healing process? I think so. Yeah. I studied the concept of dark night of the soul in graduate school. And I think for grieving, um, you know, my best metaphor or analogy is that, um, you know, if the heart is shattered or the soul is shattered, um, because some people feel very strong soul connections to someone they love. I, I know that's part of your story. Irene. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think, I think that on a spiritual evolution, of course, nobody asks for this, but I, but I think that like, uh, if there's soul contracts, you know, that's part of the negotiation. I think that if there's, um, spiritual evolution and spiritual development, which I believe there is, um, I think that suffering needs to happen because otherwise our minds, I think are structured in certain ways where, um, we can get comfortable and where, when we get comfortable, we don't necessarily look beyond the comfort zones. We don't, you know, I think grief, it's not as, um, lenient it's a little bit more forced because no like i said nobody ever asks for a loss but um but it throws you into a choice yes it throws exactly. you into a choice yeah you come to this choice and like you know it it's almost like a forced way of opening the mind mm-hmm. if you choose to do that right exactly so i know that you also in addition to this app you have grief retreats right so tell yeah. us all about them. Where do they take place? What happens? Are they online? Are they just tell us all about them? Okay. Yeah. Um, if you remember me companioning my mom, um, it's interesting because a lot of people that reach out to me, um, they actually are widowed. They've lost uh, a husband. They've lost a wife. They've lost um uh, their their marital spouse, and um, they they are their sh- their souls are shattered, and they are just looking for something, and and so a lot of these retreats are really about helping getting them into nature, uh, so in physical locations. Um, our last one was in southern Indiana in early October, and I'm actually it was just looking. Um, looking at a space um, so you have them in different you you hold them in different areas of the country or whatever yeah and, and how right. long do they last so they're thursdays through sundays um you know uh, we kind of start about thursday late afternoon and then through sunday morning and what we do at these retreats is there's a lot of sharing um you know a lot of space to just converse commune and share but there's also a lot of space to um, do ceremony. We do ceremony to honor. We do ceremony to, um, I guess, cherish. We do ceremony to be in community uh, with each other for meaningful experiences that just help solidify the love shared. Um, Although, you know, the special person's no longer here. Right. I'll bet you, I'll bet people make very significant connections and new friendships at your, at your retreats, because there's a commonality that they've been through and they understand, they understand each other. They're exactly right. They're meeting like souls, like people. It's probably really wonderful. Yes. And, and that, you know, that's, 
when the retreats have come to close, I I go home and I think how many, I don't know, I could count a million times how many times I've thought, you know, these, the people, the participants, they're all meant to meet each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'll bet. Um, that, and do people tell us how people find out about them? They go on the Grief Refuge app website or where do they go to find out about these retreats? Either and, that, and about your app. Yeah, or, either the app or the website. Um, the retreats are listed on both um, griefrefuge.com or the Grief Refuge app. And then for people that want the app, um, you know, you can just look up Grief Refuge in your phone's app store. Oh, that's great. And what is the read tip for finding joy in life? (laughs) Um, Well, I think, I think as, you know, I'm, I've definitely been somebody who's been more serious. And I used to think like I laughed at really strange things. And I used to be a little bit self-conscious about it. But what I'll say is, um, the joy to life is like embracing the humor that makes you laugh that I, I think that's, you know, what I've come to learn in my time on this planet so far is, you know, Hey, whatever makes you laugh. And if it feels authentic, that that'll bring you joy. You know, it's true. A lot of people take things so seriously and I look at grief as that's something to be serious about, but Having gone through all this, when I have a chance to laugh and to kind of be light and let it out, I welcome it, you know, when, and that in a way, once you get past, you've done a lot of healing. I think the fact that you can get to that laughter and joy is, is just wonderful, right? Yeah. Wonderful I thing. I can't agree with you more. Right? So Reed, your very admirable mission is to help the grieving find peace and purpose after loss and by creating your Grief Refuge Healing app, you are certainly making large strides in accomplishing your mission. Thank you for creating the Grief Refuge Healing app, which is filled with sage insights and guidance for managing grief. And I thank you from my heart for this informative and so helpful, such a helpful interview today. And here's a loving reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes and all Grief and Rebirth podcast episodes on IreneWeinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at, at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And if you're watching here on YouTube, be sure to click subscribe below so you'll never miss an episode. As I like to say, to be continued. Many blessings. Thank you so much, Reed. And bye for now. Thank mm-hmm. you.